Hey man, welcome back to 3 Pete Sports. I am your host, Ian Monhe. This is episode 17. I actually have it written down. I don't have to go ahead and look, it up, look up which episode I'm on. I memorized it this time. It is episode 17. And uh, hope you guys are doing well, man. I'm doing, doing great. I'm actually on a vacation right now. I don't know if the quality sounds different in here. I'm actually in a hotel room. Uh, we are at the Venetian in Las Vegas. Uh, I think by the time that you're listening to this, which would be on Thursday, I would already have left Vegas. I wish I could go ahead and say that I'm here for, for Summer League. But uh, it was just funny with just the timing of this whole trip and whatnot and that we're leaving the day before Summer League starts. It's like, ugh, that would have been cool if I was able to stay here and uh, watch Summer League, enjoy it. But uh, that's not the case. I'm actually out here with a bunch of family. Um, we're all... Uh, I guess you could say it's a reunion, right? I haven't seen these guys, these people in a long time. So we're all having a bunch of fun out here in Las Vegas. I think we're going to go to one more place before we end up going back home. And uh, I'm just happy to go on this trip. I totally thought I wasn't going to go on this uh, this trip to begin with because of work. I know that they haven't been the greatest uh, at this moment in time. But um, I'm happy I'm here. I'm happy I'm on it. And... I'm happy that I ended up taking the break for as long as I did because I was burnt after after the draft, after school and whatnot. And uh, speaking of the draft show, again, I seriously appreciate you guys coming and joining me for the stream. Uh, it was very long, and I know that I think there was one guy that stuck out the entire way. So shout out to you, Timron. But uh, it was a lot of work that I ended up putting in. and We had a lot of really good guests come on and i know that a lot of you guys ended up joining and consuming your draft content through me and that really does mean the world to me and i really appreciate you guys coming on and uh watching and listening to what i have to say about all these draft prospects and what's going on on draft night i plan on doing it again next year hopefully with more guests and uh, hopefully a lot more viewers by that point so again i really appreciate it uh you guys join now we're back and I brought my equipment, hoping that the big breaking news uh, of these two trades were going to go down. But uh, seemingly nothing has happened over the last three days outside of like one sign-in trade that we'll eventually get to. But like, we're not going to talk about Grant Williams, Eric Gordon, Kata Bates, Diop, and Austin Reeves first when we have the ability to talk about Damian Lillard and James Harding requesting trades from their own destinations. Um... And I guess we'll begin with Damian Lillard because I think that's the one that everybody's beating the drum on. You know, he requested a trade on on the second day of free agency, which I think was on July 1st, and uh, only requested the Miami Heat. There is a, there's a couple of teams that have been connected to him and have been pursuing him. Teams like the Nets, the, the Celtics and Timberwolves came later, but uh, the Sixers and the Clippers also came in and joined the pursuit as well. But uh, it seems very likely at this point that he's going to end up becoming a member of uh, the Miami Heat and going down to South Beach and embodying Heat culture. And now nothing is official at this point in time. It does feel like it's going to drag on a couple of weeks because Portland it seems very particular with what they want back in a Damian Lillard trade. But she, I think the fit has been beaten uh, a lot over the last couple of days, you understand that they needed a different alpha score in Miami, and you have 
a really damn good alpha score in Damian Lillard. And uh, you pair that with Butler, who had a great playoffs, like regardless of how he finished, which it sucks the way that he finished, but he was really damn good. Same with Bam Adebayo. That's a really good trio to, to build around for the foreseeable future, at least. And you also understand Portland side of things. It's like this has been long overdue from not only Portland side, but Dame side to go ahead and request a trade, put himself in a winning situation. He's finally able to do so. You also hear about, you know, from Portland's perspective, it, you know, it just took a really long time for them to make this decision. And it was probably because they took advantage of Damian Lillard's loyalty that's been beaten a lot and I'm not gonna suffocate you guys with the same information and uh narratives and opinions that you're getting from other, from a number of these other uh pundits so I'm gonna keep this relatively short but I think my biggest question it's not from Dame's side it's not from Miami's side it's from Portland's side and uh what they're going to be value valuing in uh most in a return for Damian Lillard because right now you have four guards in place with right now it's Damian Lillard it won't be soon but it's Anthony Simons who is the starting shooting guard this past season it's Shaden Sharp the seventh overall pick two seasons ago now and their third overall pick this year in Scoot Henderson and then they drafted this development guy his name's Ryan Rupert in the second round and I really like him I think that he could become something I forgot what I gave it uh, the draft comparison for um, but I, I know that I was relatively higher than where his draft placement was and I think that in my opinion you build around Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp as your backcourt and right now since it does feel like a one team race for Damian Lillard it doesn't really make sense for them to add in another guard again by bringing in Tyler Hero who's going to be their best tradable asset you know that they're not going to trade away BAM and uh, outside of that, you don't have too many other assets if you're Miami to go ahead and please them with. So you have to invite multiple teams. And I'm just curious how they uh, in build out the rest of the roster to fit those two. They already brought back Jeremy Grant, which, you know, I don't agree with bringing him back, given that you're not going to keep Damian Lillard in Portland. But I guess he's going to be staying. So I guess you also got to include potentially... Uh, a contract like Anthony Simons is in a deal. Maybe Yusuf Nurkic is in a different deal and you go ahead and salary dump him. I think that from Portland's perspective, you have to prioritize building around not only Scoop, but Shaden Sharp and what team is out there that is going to give you the right piece from the wings, from the center position, in order for this team to have a higher ceiling than we would like for them to think. It's two athletic freaks. You have one that can really score the ball and shoot the ball. You have another one that can facilitate score mainly in like the two-point area um, and is just insanely athletic, the two of them. And what type of players fits around those guys that they can include in a three-team, four-team trade? I'm not entirely sure. You know, Ben Simmons has been thrown out there, but he seems like a negative asset at this moment in time, especially after his... Uh, was it a back procedure? I'm going to go about it as if it's a back procedure. Um, you know, you certainly would hope that you could bring in New Orleans and get Zion, but I don't imagine Zion being a part of it if 
it's a three-teamer. I think that, you know, if New Orleans was trading away Zion, they would want Damian Lillard back. So, like, I feel like that's not an option. And, I mean, what other options are there? Like, are you thinking about Boston and Jalen Brown and sending him away? Are you thinking about shit? Like, are you thinking about Orlando, who have, like, some pretty solid assets in the front court? It's really hard to come up with a third and third or fourth team. You have the basic structure of a trade, which is good, which is like a combination of like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jaime Jaquez, Nikola Jovic, and multiple picks and pick swaps. But since that's not going to appeal to uh, to Portland, you know, reportedly, and it wouldn't be a very good fit anyways. Just who's going to be the third and fourth team? I think that's going to be my biggest question. Just who can they include and how they're going to value um, Scoot and Shaden uh, in terms of roster building? That's Those are my two biggest questions. And then we could go to Harden's trade requests. And it wasn't entirely surprising as, you know, the days leading up to free agency, Houston really interested in a guy like Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks and that those two being locks. To, to join Houston and that certainly just it cut into their salary cap space and you knew that Harden was not going to be a part of that team uh, after those two moves and there's really only one logical destination for her, uh, Harden and that was Philly so it was relatively surprising that he opted in but it totally makes sense from his perspective if he wants to have multiple options because it was always going to be between Philly and Houston and if it wasn't, if Houston wasn't like an option for him anymore, then he would want his choice of Philly and way more teams that could facilitate a trade for him. I don't necessarily think that this is uh, a permanent trade request per se. You know, I don't think that he truly wants to leave Philly. I think it's just a matter of he just wants multiple options out there. Because why would he leave a good situation like this? But, you know, you have a couple of teams that were reported to have interest in James Harden. I think the Knicks were one of them, and I don't agree with that or get that at all. But the Clippers have been a team that, if he was to be traded, I think that he would be a Clipper. But I also think that the Clippers are very, very stingy in who they end up trading. It just seems like a bunch of expiring salaries for, rightfully so, another expiring salary. But I think that if you wanted to pursue a championship, that's probably the best fit for James Harden and if he was going to go to another team and be this facilitating third option which you know might not it will be a step down from what he would be getting from uh, his current role in Philly but to facilitate for Paul George and for Kawhi Leonard two guys that have been dying for good point guard play I think that would make sense right but I don't, again, I don't really buy the, that he really wants out. I think this is just a matter of he wants a, a level of leverage in uh, contract extension talks. I think that he would want um, some say in where he would like to go if he were to be traded. And I think it's just something that's being explored. You don't, he doesn't really have much of a market either. You know, you don't have, you have the Clippers and that's a logical destination that, uh, would be good for him but where else are we talking like New York isn't a good fit just to put it bluntly I don't like it at all and outside of that 
Ugh, like, are you gonna eventually trade him to the Lakers in the middle of the season, and we'll get to the Lakers soon? But would that make very much sense at all? I don't, I don't see it. Dallas, they have the contracts, but is that worth it? Not necessarily. New Orleans wouldn't be horrendous, but it wouldn't be great. You know, Harden's just a very difficult player to, to value in terms of uh, having a championship team built around him and some other star player. It, it definitely feels harder to win a championship with him who is as ball dominant as he is and uh, for somebody that just needs the ball in his hands as much as he does to be effective. It's definitely harder to win a championship with a guy like that. And there's, to me, it just feels like there's two two options that he would be be good for, and that would be Philly and L.A. And I don't necessarily think that it's a necessity for him to leave. So I, I think that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Like these are the two big two of the biggest names that will be on the move this off season, if the two of them were to be moved. But it is hard to imagine a scenario where James Harden uh, is pissed to the point of leaving a very great situation that he's in. And a situation where there really isn't a whole lot of drama, a whole lot of um, misrepresentation of the players and whatnot. I think it's a good situation for him. And... I think that's where I'll end it. I just don't really buy the trade request a whole lot, and hopefully that he does end up staying over there with the Philadelphia 76ers. And again, I do want to keep this relatively short. It's like 8.30 by the time I'm recording and nobody else is in the room. They're prob- I know that they're out uh, viewing the strip and whatnot, but uh, I'm going to try to make this relatively quickly. Uh, I, there was a three-team trade that ended up going down today. I guess uh, it's a sign-in trade, and I totally missed it. I was at a Murray the Magician show. It was a pretty good show. I, I definitely recommend. That was definitely fun. But uh, trade went down while I was in there. Uh, the Mavericks, Spurs, and the Celtics finalized a three-team trade where the Mavs got Grant Williams and signed him to a four-year, $54 million deal. Um, the Spurs received Reggie Bullock and an unprotected pick swap in 2030, and the Celtics received multiple second-round picks. I felt like the writing was on the wall for Grant Williams, especially when they made the Kristaps Porzingis trade, where they just had spacing galore, and they brought in a couple of other guys. Like I'm a fan of O'Shea Brissett. I think that he could be uh, better in a uh, a bigger role over there in uh, over there in Boston. That wouldn't be bad at all. And uh, it just felt obvious that they were going to be far apart in extension talks and whatnot. So Grant Williams to the Mavs is not a bad fit at all. I think Grant Williams is a very good three-point shooter. I think that in the playoffs, it, it was definitely strange for a majority of that playoffs how he didn't play too many minutes. I only really saw him play either in garbage time in those first two rounds or he ended up going in the uh going in the conference finals he played a lot more in the conference finals and uh doesn't really feel like uh he was gonna have a bigger role over there in boston anymore so 
this is a good landing spot relative to what they have been building. It's been a solid uh, offseason of roster building for Dallas where they go ahead, they bring back Kyrie on a three-year $126 million deal. Uh, they, I don't think that they're bringing back Christian Wood anymore, but by all accounts, like I don't think that they're done moving shit around. I think that they're going to be trading away Hardaway Jr. at some point. I think that they're going to be trading away shit, like JaVale McGee at some point. Uh, they brought in two really nice draft prospects with Derek Lively and Olivier Maxens Prosper. I think that they have something cooking to some degree. Like, it, I don't think that it's fantastic, but I think what they got going on here, especially with the addition of a floor spacer that is as good as Grant Williams and probably better than the the guys that they ended up trading out, you know, like Reggie Bullock, and they sent out Davis Bertans to, I think it was uh, OKC. I think that there was, it's just shrewd move after shrewd move that make me relatively interested in what they're doing. And I think that they also signed to an offer sheet so far, like he's not officially a Maverick uh, until, unless 48 hours go by and the Trailblazers don't match an offer sheet. But Matisse Thibel, uh, they bring over in what is signed to be like a three-year, $33 million deal. Um He's not a floor spacer, and he may as well just become like their next Frank Nilakina. I know that they brought in Dante Exum, maybe their next Dante Exum. Um, but I think that it's definitely like a shrewd move after another shrewd move, and um, it looks to be like a much more competent and much better roster um, than previous years. That's for sure. Uh, the Spurs get Reggie Bullock in a pick swap. They didn't have to be in the deal. I think that was just a way to absorb salary and um, bring, you know, they had no, they were not using their cap space at all, at at all. They had like $30, $40 million at some point. And uh, I know that they brought back Trey Jones, which is nice, but they go ahead and bring in a decent veteran in Reggie Bullock, who probably will be sought after maybe in like the buyout market, maybe in a different trade. But, uh, you know, that's another prototype 3 and D player. He's not the greatest 3 and D prototype player, but he he definitely serves value around the league and I think that was just a, a salary dump from Dallas's perspective, but I think the incentive was to take on the pick swap. So I think think that was relatively fine for them. Boston it made sense to trade him away. Again, sign and trades don't usually net back uh fair compensation. So when you see Grant Williams traded for second round picks, it's it could definitely be confusing for sure, but they, those sign and trades again, and definitely with this new CBA, it's going to be very, it's always been very complicated to nail sign and trades and come up with sign and trade deals. And it's not going to net back fair compensation and second round picks. Uh, and that's it for Grant Williams. It's not the greatest return, but you also understand from Boston's perspective that they didn't necessarily need him at this point in time. Uh, especially with the moves that they made over the course of a month. It really only has been a month. That's nuts. But uh, they got good players here, and uh, they got guys that can replace Grant Williams to some extent. So we'll, we'll just have to – it is a lot more of like a wait and see from their perspective because, again, he does hold value. But they bring in a guy like Porzingis. They bring in 
uh, O'Shea Brissett, who I'm going to say is probably one of my breakout candidates. Who knows? But you understand it from Boston's perspective, that's for sure. Uh, as we kind of go down the rest of the list, I, you knew that I had to talk about Phoenix at some point, who I think Max, again, I, I feel like I'm, I, I'm definitely stealing this line, but it's a perfect way to sum it up. It was from John Hollinger. The Suns maximized their minimums, and I think that's just a perfect way to describe how the Phoenix Suns have uh, handled this offseason, especially after the Bradley Beal trade. I, I was able to understand the rationale with not liking uh, Phoenix trading for Bradley Beal, especially with how the, the cap was going to be for us. And I understood it, but they bring in a number of guys that I think really do bring a ton of value. And they've got good players on good value. And they've been, they, uh, fans, have really tried to compare this uh, roster to that of the uh, the Lakers in twenty one uh, in the twenty twenty one twenty two season, which is something that I don't agree with. Like you look at that Lakers roster where you where their biggest signings were like yeah Kendrick Nunn and they couldn't foresee that knee injury happening happening. They couldn't foresee him bumping his knee into a table and missing the entire season. But their biggest moves were bringing in what a 36, 37 year old Carmelo, a 36, 37 year old Trevor Ariza. A 34, 35 year old Kemp Bazemore, 34, 35 year old Rondo, Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan. Like, it's not, it was not, uh, it, they were fine players with big names, that's for sure. And, you know, guys like Mello, he definitely provided some offensive versatility from a post perspective, a catch and shoot perspective. He was a great shooter for them. But I think the, the lack of replenishing their team with, fresh legs really did not uh, do them very well as well as the fit. Like a lot of those guys were past their prime and they got true definitions of ring chasers. And I just don't think that uh, that roster was capable of doing it um, with the amount of guys that were over 34 years of age. And, you know, that's where the Lakers have learned from their mistakes. And we'll talk about the Lakers real soon here because they're definitely a big winner in this free agency. But Phoenix to go ahead and bring in guys like Drew Drew Eubanks. Like again, it's not the great biggest names in the world. It's like Drew Eubanks, uh, Yuta Watanabe, Kata Bates Diop, Eric Gordon. Um, I, they brought in Chemezi Metu, resigned Damian Lee, resigned Josh Kogi. A lot of these guys are between the ages of twenty five and twenty eight years old. Guys that are relatively youthful in their NBA careers guys that provide value from, you know, a three and D perspective with a guy like Kata Bates Diop definitely has the three and D skill set. You have Eubanks as your rim protecting center that uh, can be really a real nice finesse finisher at the basket, really athletic as well. You've got Yuta Watanabe, one of the best corner three point shooters in the NBA and one of the best shooters in the NBA period. And then Chemezi Metu is just a guy that can, you know, he's a true definition of a minimum player. Like he's definitely uh, hasn't produced too much in the league. You know, he has some spotty shooting, but I think that he has good form and um, can definitely provide value as like a small ball five standing at six foot nine. But all of these guys provide a level of complementary 
um, skill sets that, you know, differ from each other, which I like because you kind of need this level of balance throughout the roster. And, you know, they didn't, uh, nobody really had the confidence in them going ahead and uh, netting back some of the players that they did net back. And sure, some of these guys are a little bit more wild cards. Like Kata Bates Diop did all of his production on a Spurs team last year that wasn't very good. Uh, you know, Eric Gordon is still a wild card. While I I think that he has a, a little bit left in the tank, you understand that his athleticism is waning and that truly was a big part of what he does and what he did uh, throughout a majority of his career. You certainly worry about it from that perspective. Maybe you worry about a guy like Drew Eubanks, how he ends up holding up as a backup center. Is he a true backup center? But I think that just being able to replenish the roster with guys that a provide value b have the opportunity to earn big minutes over here and i also think that just their ability to get guys that definitely deserved more on the open market um and they got the opportunity to sign these guys for the veteran minimum i think it says a lot about how they're building culture building a roster together and it, it is refreshing to see. Now, by I think they signed Eric Gordon like three days ago, and it officially marked the end of their um, their signings in terms of like a, a, like a fifteen man roster. They could sign like up to twenty one, I think, but they have fifteen guys already on the roster now, which include their their second round pick from this year to Monty Kamara. But I don't necessarily think that they're done. I think everybody is just on hold waiting for uh, the big trades to go down. And they could definitely be a team that could swoop in as maybe a third or fourth team. Maybe they go ahead and uh, cut a guy. Maybe they go ahead and cut a guy or two and bring in two guys that are willing to sacrifice a little bit and play for the minimum. Again, this is kind of like the the delusional Lakers fan in me speaking. But I think just just the rationale of it is they did a really good job finding value and filling out the the little weaknesses that they had. And you should have like a le- reasonable expectation for guys that did sign for the minimum. All of these guys have their levels of weaknesses. But you add in Watanabe and, you know, particularly with Watanabe, being one of the best corner three-point shooters in the league, that's just the one shot that they just kept missing over and over and over again in that Denver series where I think they shot like 9 of 49, 9 of 50 from the corner three-point shot. And it really sucked for a guy like Book to go ahead and make those amazing skip passes that led to wide-open three-point shots, and they just weren't hitting them. And now you bring in a guy that specializes in them, and they certainly become a threat. And he's a tall guy too, so you know that makes him a big threat. You got a six foot eight defender with seven foot three arm, seven feet three inch arms in Kata Bates Diop, another youthful guy as well, a guy that can finish at the basket, a guy that can shoot the three ball for sure. I you gotta keep relatively like leveled expectations for guys that are on minimum contracts, but you also gotta got to think that all of these guys you know you can't lie it's really it's a really damn good fit for what they're able to provide and i'm very 
confident and very excited about the Phoenix Suns' chances at winning within this tight but really nice, good, wide-open window for him. The Lakers have done a really good job as well in their free agency, and I think that calling them the winners of the offseason or winners of free agency, you know, I, I would have to, you know, maybe do a double take, right? But there's no doubt that they have been really damn good uh, throughout free agency. You know, I think a lot of it was opened up because of uh, their decisions to decline the options on Mo Bamba and Malik Beasley. And that was that a was able to retain uh, a number of their guys like Austin Reeves to like four years, 54 million Hashimura three years, 51 million. Um, But they also brought in guys like Gabe Vincent, Jackson Hayes. I think they brought in Cam Reddish as well. You know, it's, it's a matter of like replenishing their team with younger players. And I think that's just a, that should be like a must for these older teams or these teams with old star players that still hold open a window for their teams to win a championship, just replenish the team with a level of young talent, and you could come up with something real nice. You know, they drafted Jalen Hood Shafino and Maxwell Lewis in the draft, two of my favorite guys. They were top 20 guys for me on my draft board, and, you know, it was just great value for where they got those players at. They re-signed D'Lo on two years, $37 million. Uh, I think that they let go of Lonnie Walker. I think he's a net now. But you get the point. You know, they bring back a number of guys uh, that were uh, real key contributors to their playoff run. Uh, They let go of Dennis Schroeder, but they brought in Gabe Vincent. And, you know, that's still a wild card to me as well, right? You know, he just had, you know, his best games as a member of the Heat in this playoff run. You Hope, hope that it is sustainable and can provide more value uh, to, uh, excuse me, you hope that he could provide more value than what Dennis Schroeder provided for you. And you could totally see it from a scoring perspective. Like it's definitely different bringing in Jackson Hayes as your athletic big off the bench on a vet minimum. That's really good value. Cam Reddish is way more of like a development guy than anything else. But, you know, and he just might not ever pan out. But that's a guy that you could definitely uh, bank on as like, you know, one of your last last people, last players off the bench. And, um, you know, you hope that you could develop something there that's positive and can, you know, rejuvenate his career. Right. And just bringing back all of their core pieces. It's just really important for them to have a level of continuity and good continuity at that. And the, you know, the contracts that they're able to bring those guys back on, I think that was, I think it's just good basketball business by the Lakers. And they certainly become, uh, they certainly stay this threat in the Western conference. Now you certainly still have to keep in mind what they end up doing with LeBron, uh, how LeBron responds to this foot injury, this foot surgery. Uh, You certainly wonder if he could come back the same or still be this 30-point-per-game score. Now, it's definitely a stretch, but we've seen it. We've seen it. And we all have this expectation of the Lakers being uh, a championship contender, and that's 
where I'm going to hold the standard to. He, it, it's a really damn good team with really damn good players, and they made some really damn good signings and some really damn good value signings and a lot of youth as well. So let's hold them to the standard, and let's just hope that something works out for the Lakers this season, way more than anything has over the last two years. And I guess we'll wrap it up with like a couple of like my favorite signings and some of my least favorite signings or just talk about their teams in general. Um, the Rockets went ahead and was really bold with the decisions that they ended up making, paying Fred Van Vliet a th- uh, three-year, $130 million contract, paying Dylan Brooks four years, $80 million. You know, from an efficiency perspective, it's not the greatest. And, you know, especially after this season where they both had some really inefficient shooting seasons as well, them earning the contracts that they did, you certainly, like, roll your eyes at it. I I just always have had this liking toward a guy like Fred Van Vliet, a guy that I, for me, I always viewed as a guy that was, that would be an excellent third option. A guy that can really score it, a guy that, you know, regardless of the inefficiencies can still really shoot. And I think has really improved at his playmaking as well. Not just from a statistical perspective, but I think he, he has done a really a uh, much better job over the years just commanding an offense. And maybe that was learning from a guy like Kyle Lowry. I have no idea, but it's certainly improved. Dylan Brooks is like the the unpopular one, that's for sure. You know, you you look at the, the dumb decisions that he has made over the last uh, however many games now, probably like 86, 87, 88. <laughs> you know, it hasn't been a great season for him at all. But a guy that, you know is an antagonist, a guy that, you know, I think is a very good defender. And, you know, that's that shouldn't be even a debate. It And, you know, we could push aside, like, the, the second-team all-defensive award that he received. I genuinely do think that he holds value just from a defensive and antagonistical perspective. Now, four years, eighty million. Sure, that could be a stretch. Maybe you pay a guy like Dylan Brooks uh, on the level of a guy like Matisse Thybul just a couple of hours ago, for like three years, thirty-three million. Maybe going four years, fifty million. Sure, it's a little bit of an overpay, but you also got to understand from Houston's perspective that they weren't going to be big players for any of these uh, any of these stars, regardless of whether or not Harden wanted to return. You know, they definitely wanted a either a level of leadership or a level of like hard-nosed, high-effort guys that you would be getting out of those two guys. And Jock Landale, who they definitely overpaid to some degree. You know, he was relatively good in Phoenix. He definitely lacks the play strength from a defensive standpoint. I just remember him getting bodied a ton by uh, Mason Plumley. But, uh, you know, it, it's guys that provide a level of leadership, a guy, guys that provide a level of, like, hard-nosed, no-nonsense um, personalities. And I think that from Houston's perspective, knowing that they weren't going to attract the players that they were wanting to attract, they had to do so with the money that they had available, and they get those guys. And... Uh, you certainly wonder if they go for some all-in move with the assets that they do have because it is a ton of young players. But I'm not going to bet on that at this moment in time, and hopefully this ends up working out for Houston because 
again, that is a lot of money that they paid up for those three players in particular guys that probably wouldn't have gotten paid uh, to as much of a degree as he as they these guys have been. Now, I'm kind of looking through the rest of this. Chicago is just weird with how they go about their guards. They just signed Javon Car- they just signed Javon Carter to like a 3-year, 20 million dollar contract. Good value, good player, good deal. Uh he has really improved as a shooter, especially off- on the ball, like off the dribble. He's done really uh good from that perspective. But again, it just adds on to the flurry of guards that they have brought in over the last several seasons. And you know, rightfully so, considering that Lonzo Ball is probably never going to play again, and that just sucks for them. But it's it, it's been Io Desunmu, it's been Kobe White, who they also re-signed to, I think it was like a three-year, $40 million contract. Uh, who else do they still have? They have Alex Caruso. Uh, they drafted Dalen Terry. And I know that they have one more. I know that they have one more. But I think they're letting Io Desunmu go for Javon Carter, and that's... Certainly a decision that uh, I, I personally wouldn't have made. Like, I really like Io Dasunmu from a defensive perspective. And uh, I, I think his shooting has fell off just a little bit, but I don't think enough to the point where we're a week into free agency and he's not on a team still. Like, I think that he has a lot of value um, and a guy that you could go ahead and continue to play like 20, 25 minutes for. So that was interesting in my mind just how uh chicago has gone about their free agency business and continues to try to extend whatever window that they have had have don't have whatever they're trying to open up i don't know if what they're doing right now is able to open it up enough to allow levine and DeRozan to stay put in chi town uh, as we kind of look forward, like Max Struess, I guess, is a Cavalier, four years, sixty-three million, and a sign and trade. A little much for a guy like that, especially after the finals performance. But you understand that this team doesn't have any uh three and D scoring on on any level at all. It's either a good three point shooter, no defense, really good at defense, no three point shot at all, no offense at all. And uh, they just don't have a, a balance at all. And I think Max Struess can provide a level of balance. And they probably had to overpay for it. But uh, it, it's a good deal. I don't have any strong opinions on it. It's a good deal for what they are needing uh, in order for that team to jump to that upper echelon of Eastern Conference uh, contenders and NBA Finals contenders. It's just... It's just a little bit more than what I would have paid for him. Um, I forgot the Lakers signed Torian Prince. That, that's another really good move. One year, four and a half million dollars. Good move. The Lakers did have done a really good job in free agency. Um, Miami brought in Josh Richardson and Thomas Bryant. Those are two solid moves. I think they're both on the minimum and I think are relatively solid fits. Uh, especially once they do make the Dame trade. I think that is really good. Russell Westbrook, two years, eight million. Just considering like how well he played in uh, those five games in the playoffs 
yeah, you're you're going to go through the entire experience of like, oh, shit, he's playing really bad and we need to cut him immediately to, oh, man, he's playing really damn good and probably carrying the entire team at this point in time. That's that's impressive. And, you know, to only earn four million for how well he played for the Clippers over those last couple of months. It's surprising. It's surprising that it's only four million dollars for two years, but that's that is good value from the Clippers perspective. They also re-signed a Mason Plumley one year, five million dollars. That's another good move. I like that. I think that those two are good moves, but they I think that they also I don't know if they're like stuck within this uh James Harden trade discussion, but I don't know if running it back with this core can result in a championship still. You know, there's certainly a level of question of obviously health, but that's with everybody. And then there's just the perspective of they're one of the most hurt teams in the entire league, and that really sucks. And, you know, you certainly question how many times do you go about this before you realize that, oh, man, it's been five seasons now, and they have just not remained healthy at all. So how many more times can they do it? Probably one more time, if I were to answer it. But uh, it, it's still a great roster regardless. It's just a lot to to bank on now, considering how hurt your two core guys have been over the last, and entering five seasons now. Okay, Joe Ingles got paid for some reason two years, $22 million. I thought that there was nothing left for Joe Ingles to provide. I totally thought he was going to be a, a minimum player. And I saw that they went ahead and promoted some guy in their front office to be the president of basketball operations. Let me look this up real quick. Okay, they promoted Anthony Parker to GM... Uh, John Hammond uh, is a, in a senior advisory role. Ah, oh, Jesus, that sucks for him. Because I think uh, they promoted Pete D'Alessandro to executive VP of basketball operations. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that really sucks. He was one of the guys that has really missed on a bunch of the draft play, draft prospects over the last over like a three-year course where they drafted um, Ben McLemore um, in 2013. Who, and I think they drafted over guys like McCollum, obviously Giannis, but even like a guy like Dennis Schroeder, Steven Adams, like those guys would have been worthy of that pick seven. Um, they drafted Nick Stauskas over guys like Levine, Warren, and some other players. And then drafted Willie Cauley-Stein over Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre, Terry Rozier, guys like that. Kelly Oubre, even. Like, it wasn't a very good draft class. But, and then they go ahead and sign Joe Ingles for two years, 22. I just don't agree with that under any circumstance. That definitely had to have been just like a, oh, we have cap space, we need a veteran. Let's go bring in Joe Ingles. Like, I don't I don't like the signing much. Bruce Brown got a bag. <laughs> 2 years 45 million, good for him. He's headed to the Pacers, which is another relatively good fit. I don't like that they ended up trading away Chris Dorte uh for a second round picks. I knew like the writing was on the wall once they went ahead and signed drafted Ben Shepard. As weird as that sound, but 
you know, they went ahead and trade signed uh, Bruce Brown. Just like, okay, like you understand it from that perspective. They also trade for Obi Toppin. I like that move. A nice little buy low move for a guy that I think has shown a lot of offensive uh, potential from a three point shooting perspective. Athletically, he is top notch. And from a size perspective, like he certainly fits the bill as an NBA player um, with an NBA body. And getting that from the Knicks for second round picks and, you know, for the Knicks, it, it is just weird. It is weird value. Um, how are they really going to try to run it back with just Brunson and Julius Randle and RJ Barrett? I don't like that. I in particular don't like that. Um, and if they wanted to go after uh, something different, maybe at the wings, maybe at the center position, then I think Obi Toppin would have been a nice addition to any trade. Now, who knows how much value he truly had around the league? I mean, probably not a lot considering that they traded him for second round picks, but I think you could have done more with the asset that you had. I think that's for sure. But that's a good get for the Pacers. I think they got good stuff going, right? Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin to add around Halliburton, who they extended to a bag, and then Miles Turner and Ben Matherin. I like it. I think that they got a competent roster. That's how I'll put it. I like it. All right, what else are we looking at? Reggie Jackson for two years, ten million was bullshit from the Nuggets, and it just be a ma- might be a matter of like they signed him to the contract in order to piece together him and maybe some other guys for a different bench piece. Like the starting five is intact. Uh, I think that they're going to play Christian Brown and Peyton Watson a lot more in the upcoming season. Two guys that they have been really high on, but Reggie Jackson. Not an efficient scorer anymore. Not a guy that can play make. Is pretty much just a scorer that isn't great at scoring anymore. And just two years, you know, using your taxpayer's mid-level exception for him is just a little confusing is all. Um, Miles Bridges is back in the league. I don't I don't have an opinion on it. I'm not going to speak on it. Uh, Torrey Craig to the Bulls, two years, five million is a nice little move by Chicago. Again, the direction that they're trying to go in is weird, but I, I think Torrey Craig is a good player that should have gotten paid a little bit more than that, and they did a good job with it. Uh, Jack White, Pat Bev, and Mo Bamba to the Sixers are relatively fine moves. They're both uh, buy low options for sure. Pat Bev, one year for three million. Uh, Mo Bamba on a one-year deal. It's just a matter of bringing in guys that fit Nick Nurse's culture a little bit better. I think that Nick Nurse was really interested in both of those guys at various points during trade deadlines and off-seasons and whatnot. I mean, the Raptors have been dying for some center, right? And I think that uh, it's a good fit from a defensive perspective for the two players over in Philly. I'm fine with it. I think it's good. Um, let me try to come up with one for both as I'm kind of trying to look forward. I, I, I'm not a fan of what Sacramento's doing. You know, they bring back Harrison Barnes on the deal. Three years, 54 million. It's fine. It's a good veteran move. They bring back their core. They bring back Trey Lyles as well. They brought in Chris Dorte, which is a fine move for sure. And I know that they, I saw them bring in somebody else. I got to find the find the player again. I'm just looking through the list. 
Alex Len, no. They purposely let Chemezi Metu go. God, I can't find another move. Damn. But I guess, like, just the point is, you know, I'm not a believer in Sabonis being your second option on uh, a really good contender, an NBA Finals contender at all. I like what De'Aaron has shown. I like what Keegan Murray has shown. Maybe a guy like Davion Mitchell and... Who knows what Chris Dorte is going to provide for him and uh, Malik Monk. You know, it's good players. It's a well-balanced team with offensive and defensive vers- uh, offensive versatility. But I just don't feel like they're doing enough to kind of maximize uh, a window where there was a lot of avenues for them to improve their team and raise their ceiling a little bit. And now we're seeing teams like, you know, the Lakers. They got better. The Suns, they got better. Um, And, you know, those are two teams that are within their division. And they could certainly go ahead and still top off guys like the Warriors, um, the Clippers, just given their roster's construction and situation. But I'm not going to sit here and bet on them uh, for next season, considering that there's teams that have gotten clearly better. And them staying put with what they have and just adding Chris Dorte kind of makes them a net negative in terms of off-season hauls. And, you know, maybe it's just because of the destination. Who knows? But I'm not the biggest fan of what Sacramento has done. And I guess I'm trying to look for one more guy. I guess I really like what... Oh, fuck. I feel like I've already went through damn near all the winners. I mean, I guess it's fine what the Nets have done with Lonnie Walker and Dennis Smith. It's just another weak one. You know, let's let's get negative still. I don't like what the Warriors are doing either. You know, it's it's the Chris Paul trade. It's bringing in Corey Joseph. It's having no player on the roster above six foot nine. And you know, it small ball works, but it's just not to the point where you could go ahead and just embody a roster with players that are just six nine or shorter you need size in the league and you have the iq all the iq in the world to to still win but man it's just i think they're still trying to balance out a two timeline sort of deal even when i thought that they weren't going to go a two timeline sort of deal um after they traded for Chris Paul. And even then, that's just still weird. Everything is weird about this Warriors team. I'm not going to say that they're going to fall off or anything like that because, again, like the the shooting and the star power still is very overwhelming to go ahead and contain at this moment in time, but it's not the greatest thing to go ahead and see um, uh, just from a size perspective and from an everything else perspective. I everything has to really bank on development and we haven't seen a whole lot of that with the players that they have drafted over the last couple of years and it's just banking if they want to win they can't go ahead and bank on players developing they got to get the players now and they're they've been very contradicting in what they have been trying to do in this offseason that's for sure but uh damn like i was really hoping for breaking news again i i was so excited for some big trade to go down, some big move to go down and uh, just come on and do like some emergency episode and 
record in Vegas or record in California, which could still happen in California, but uh, it doesn't seem likely at this point in time, and that sucks for sure. Um, I guess the last thing that I'll do, let's just, I want to take a look at like the free agents that are out there available to us. Uh, it might take me a minute to find guys that are available. Best available. I'll, I'll look it up. Best available NBA free agents. Okay, so Grant Williams is gone. Nice. Um, okay, so PJ Washington. That's that's a nice one. Six foot seven, seven foot three wingspan. Good three point shooter as well. He's not the greatest defender. He's 25. That's not bad. I do think that he would end up going back to Charlotte, though. I don't see any reason for them to not bring him back. They just don't have a lot of talent out there. And a lot of good wings either, especially if they're going to get rid of Kelly Oubre. And I guess that's the next guy we could go to. And it's weird. Like, he's averaged like 20 points per game last year, and he might be a minimum guy. Whoever gets him is going to be real happy. But you also understand, like, the streakiness and his defense being real hit or miss. You know, on ball, it's good. Off ball, it's horrendous because on both sides of the ball, he has uh, tunnel vision. You know, it's a good combination of size, athleticism, shooting, but still a good scorer. And I think that could provide a level of value, particularly off the bench. I would like for him to be a little bit more of like a bench scoring forward than anything else. Um, Christian Wood, that's really, that's really, uh, that's a really difficult conversation because again, I think he's a, so gifted from an offensive perspective. Like I do think that he can dribble a little bit to the point where he can nail step backs. Like I've seen him nail step backs that first game of the season when they played the Suns, he went on a, like a 14, 15, 0 run by himself. Like he was taking over the game. I guess he made 59% of his twos, 38% of his threes on four attempts. He's really good offensively, but I think it's, you know what it is? It's the defense and it's the attitude and it's not willing to, uh, it's his unwillingness to adapt to a role that he has been given. I guess those two have been just so bad to the point where even though his offense is really great, he just might be a, a net negative in terms of just, you know, not being uh, coachable, adaptable. Who knows with him? I guess for those, like, again, I always think about these guys as potential fits for the Suns, and those would be nice, but I I don't think either of them go back to their respective teams. I really don't think so. But what teams with cap space are going to go ahead and sign these guys? I'm not entirely sure. I feel like a lot of these guys are going to be minimum guys, and whoever gets these players are going to get tremendous value out of these players. Or maybe we end up seeing a bunch of sign-in trades. I Again, like my brain is just kind of kind of scrambling here as we're kind of looking through like the, the best available free agents. Ayo Desunmu again, like he really really plays good defense as a big guard. Okay, so I guess his shot really fall, fell this past season. He's now 31% from from downtown for, from this past season. But, is, okay, so his defense has always been real good. It's just his shooting and his offense can be spotty. 
But again, he's an, he's entering fucking year three. Take a chance on this kid. I think that he could still be something real nice. Man, he would be so fucking good as a backup guard for us. Fuck, that would be good. Paul Reed, does he still go back to Philly? Would be would he be all right being a third center? I did like his effort. I did like how he was able to rebound and be a tech, technical rebounder, not a guy that just chases after loose balls, right? A guy that knows how to box out and really attack the glass. He can get some blocks. He can get some steals. Whoever gets Paul Reed, I think that he could be something solid. He might be shorter. He's definitely shorter than uh, than the average NBA backup center, which might be what will hold him back a little bit. Okay, he's not much of a shooter. That sucks. So I understand it, but high energy bigs are so valuable. So valuable. <laughs> like, oh man, he could provide something. He could definitely still provide something with his deficiencies. Trendon Watford, that was a surprise. He's not the greatest defender, but you certainly see the length and the efficiency at which he, sh which he scores at. Still relatively young. I totally thought that would be a piece, like regardless if they kept Damian Lillard, would be a very good piece for Portland. I guess not. I guess he's available. Dario, he's probably a warrior. Like I've seen that rumored plenty of times by at this point. It's it, I think he's a warrior. He looked pretty good for the Thunder. Not for the Suns. He wasn't that great for the Suns. But with OKC, I think he was able to unlock whatever he was able to do before his torn ACL in the finals a couple of years ago from a passing perspective, shooting, and just being effective uh, on both ends of the floor and in some capacity. Um, he definitely looked slower, that's for sure. And that might not fit well with the guy uh, like Dario in Golden State, who, uh, you, you know, that team really likes for their players to run and guys like him and, and Chris Paul, it might not work for those guys, but you know, you certainly see from a passing perspective, it, it definitely feels like stuff will be changing a little bit, a little bit more variety and um, randomness is how I'll put it for golden state. I think that will be good for him. Just being able to be a little bit more innovative with what they do. That's good. I think that would be a good fit for him. And I don't feel the need to go ahead and, speak much longer i think we were able to get a good hour in it's pretty good that's real good so i guess we'll we'll end it here again seriously i appreciate you guys listening in um i know that i'll be on vacation the next couple of days and hopefully i could come on t you know in some timely manner if like a big deal or a big trade goes down i'll probably get into these sons guys a little bit more in depth because again this is a little bit more uh, you know, in this podcast is a little bit more in favor of the Suns than uh, than anything else. So I think hopefully at some point, if like something breaking happens, I'll come back on and I'll prepare to like watch some of these players and come back with a different perspective on these guys. But right now, everything is looking good from that perspective. Again, I really appreciate you guys listening to this episode. Um, yeah, man. Seriously, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, y'all stay well, y'all stay safe, and I'll see y'all in the next one. Thank you, guys.